Hey, it's Jamie Sumner, left guard from 1994-95, and this is the Bunch of Nuts podcast with my boys Dan and Cass. Go Bucks! Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Bunch of Nuts podcast. I am Big Cass. Dan is still enjoying his vacation, so I decided to bring a good buddy of ours, a, a, a occurring guest, our good buddy, Blake Viscardi. Welcome back to the Bunch of Nuts podcast. This time, we're going to be a little bit more upbeat. Now that you're back on here, we're not you know, the mental health segue went very, very well. I do, again, thank you for that. That was excellent. But this time, it's June 2nd, and we've got a lot of college football news <laughs> And as like we were talking off air, as bad as our Cincinnati Reds team it has been this year, even though the month of May and the, it looks like the early start of June, they're looking in an upward trend, looking like that team that they could possibly be. But it's too, a little too late for my opinion. I'm ready for college football, but a lot of big news happened. Uh, but Blake, welcome back, man. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. I'm really excited for the show. And is it fall yet? Hey, we're less than 100 days, man. Oh yeah. Usually, usually when the Fourth of July hits, that's when mm-hmm. it really gets gets my blood pumping for you know football. Uh, I just I don't know if you caught the Netflix series last year, uh, Title Town with Valdosa, Georgia high school football. I started that uh, I started that show on Netflix uh, tonight. Watched the first episode and just hearing the high, even though it's high school, just hearing that fans just getting goosebumps, just knowing that we're just ways away from uh, college football, high school, NFL. So, some states just ended seven-on-seven seven springs football, which I want to get – that's another episode on why I think the OHSAA is dropping the ball in the state of Ohio when it comes to high school football. But the big news that came out today, Ryan Day and Gene Smith met with um, – I want to say like a leader, something like a leadership board when it comes to the NIL and basically drop the ball and say, hey, we need $13 million to keep our players on this football team or they're going to either transfer or, uh, you know, just to keep them. That's just to keep the football team intact. That's not counting recruiting, which that's more in a depth, different story later down the road. But that's just to keep this current football team um, going and, I like what Ryan Day said, and people are freak. Some people are freaking out, say thirteen million dollars. You know, that's going to ruin college football. That's a lot of money. Not really, if you really think about it. I was telling my wife earlier. I was like, that's just basically thirteen players getting a million dollar nil deal. That's it. I, I explained this a lot too. If a high school baseball player can get drafted right out of high school, and if he's good enough, he can make league minimum to, if he gets to single A. Why can't a collegiate athlete get paid for a little bit of money? Because he doesn't he does get the opportunities to get a job or anything like that. So I love – I like the NIL, but I like what Ryan Day and Gene Smith did today. Say, hey, got to get this $13 million. Blake's got some of the um, details of what he talked about, player position breakdown. But it's time it's time for like Rick Riker, Wahlberg Chevrolet, Coughlin Ford um, – Raising Canes, uh, you know, just some other, you know, companies. Roosters. I mean, Roosters is a huge hometown grown. They literally have a stand outside of the shoe uh, with, you know, with uh, – why can't they get in, in some NIL deals? I mean, I don't know. They don't need a million dollars, but 
it's a great it's a great segue. Thirteen million dollars isn't really a lot of money, but they want to keep it safe. They don't want to be that top team. Yeah, I mean, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, B-Dubs would be a great one to get on, too. They're uh, originated in Columbus, too, so you got the hometown there. And obviously, everybody loves on Game to Who and love that sponsorship. Wendy's, same thing they're holding up right now. That would be another huge one. Uh, yeah, like what I was seeing today, that's just the that's just the landscape to where college football is going. You, you kind of see, and we'll get into this in a second, like you saw Nick Saban's comments toward Jimbo Fisher. And it's his comments became more personal than I guess he intended just because of how that shifting um, but like you saw Ryan did today, he's like, you're going to need at least $2 million for your quarterback and then a million dollars for an edge rusher and then a million dollars for a good offensive tackle. Those, that's going to be your base. And that 13 million, like you're saying, is not a lot of money. That's just basically your framework and your foundation, what you need to have, like that base just to keep your players intact. Yeah, and, basically saying I need $2 million for C.J. Stroud. I need right. I need a million dollars for Jack Sawyer and I need a million dollars for Paris Johnson. Yeah, easy right there. And just on that same note, I, I actually saw a TikTok of the bottom line, uh, that show, and it was on that line of, so Saban's comments last week, he was saying, you know, that Texas A&M had bought their team and, and everyone's like, oh, Saban's just crying because of this. Well, okay, Saban organically grew to the coach he has today. He earned those six national championships. He earned those top recruiting classes. I mean, you argue what you want about the stuff. He earned that on the field. He beat those teams. And now someone else can just come in and just be like, here's a bigger check than what Saban's going to give you. Come play for me. And then college football now becomes transactional of, okay, it's the highest bidder. It's an auction. All right, here, I got uh, 1.2 from Ohio State. I've got 3.2 from Alabama. And I've got 4.7 from A&M. And NIL deals lined up. If you're a kid and you need that, you go to A&M. Like, you want that money. And it unfortunately changes the entire landscape of recruiting, and it takes away from, like, I saw uh, Harbaugh's comments today. He's like, we want the University of Michigan football experience to be transformational still. And it's a lot harder to sell that culture and that brotherhood that Ohio State emphasizes, the brotherhood. It's been around since Woody Hayes. It's harder to sell that when when you're making it transactional in recruiting of, all right, coach, like I get it. That's special, but how much you paying me? You know what I mean? And it, so it really and I, it I, I don't think Ohio State's going to have the big problem in the Big Ten. When, no. you, when you look, break down the Big Ten schools, you know, Illinois, I had an Illinois fan. Um, they were able to get a transfer portal, be able to pay up and something like that. And he's like, I like to thank Ohio State for the past 10 years of their success. because, of, Oh, no, it was their new facility, their new uh, mm-hmm. football facility day. Uh, Illinois fans came out and said, I'd like to thank Ohio State for their uh, success on the field because it helped pay for our new facilities. It talks about facilities. Why do you think uh, Florida's pay, paid $7 million for their new football f- facility? Why do you think Georgia's putting out this $80 million new f- football facility? It's When you think about it, $13 million is not a lot, especially when this country is like trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. It's will these companies fork out the money? Ohio State, it will not be – it's not going to be a problem. I, I guarantee it tomorrow. It's not going to be a non-unanimous donor that's just going to write a check for $13 million. I guarantee it. All these corporations, like we just mentioned, Rick Riker, um, I was telling my wife, you know, he had, what, six players last year that he had NIL deals? At least. I guarantee, like, he can make – you know, these car major car companies, they're going to fork out the money. And, of course, you got the foundation. And this, thing, this was not counting the two foundations that were built – uh, the one foundation with Urban Meyer, Cardell Jones, J.T. Barrett, mm-hmm. and then there's Annette, the Schottenstein you know, Foundation. 
that's the extra $13 million wasn't counting them. You're going to see these corporations in Columbus because I don't care what anybody says. Maybe outside the Browns. I know I'm a diehard Bengals fan and the success we had for the Bengals. In this state, and I, I will take this to the grave, the, it's the Buckeyes and then the Browns. Yes. The Buckeyes trump every single sport in this state. Every one you of them. You can't tell me that in this, in this state that has a lot of population and a lot of manufacturers and a lot of corporations, they're not going to fork out money. Heck, my company, Cardinal Health, who's a paid sponsor for Ohio State, I guarantee it they'll help fork out money for these athletes. And $13 million, like, again, not a, not a lot of money. It's really not. It's basically – now, what's interesting, what could happen is the Dylan Riola. He's a junior. Two years from now, he's going to be a freshman at Ohio State. What is looking like here in two years, the NCAA is going to drop regulations. They're going to drop, hey, this is what you can and cannot. You cannot be like USC and Texas A&M. So when Dylan Riola comes in, it's going to be quite interesting. Will he do mm-hmm. the – or he may just, you know, do what Quinn Ewers do reclass, or, and uh, Sonny Styles reclassify, come to Ohio State, which I expect after this season – if Dylan Raiola has a fantastic season, he's in. He's going to jump ship. He's the number yeah, one quarterback you. in the country. Like he's gonna right. he's gonna enter. I'm just throwing him as an example mm-hmm. that players like Dylan Raiola, okay, he could look. I want to go co- play under Coach Ryan Day. I want the success of the quarterbacks going in. You know, three first round picks back to back to back. Haskins, uh, Haskins, uh, Justin Fields, and C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I want to go play for Ryan Day, but. How much am I going to get paid? Will I go play for Kirby Smart in Georgia? You know, yeah, they may not the quarterback, the quarterback uh, guru, but Georgia might pay me more. So I think what Ohio State's trying to avoid USC and Texas A&M. Yeah, what's yeah, what what's interesting on that same note that you're saying is it's going to be interesting to watch how the players. Mm-hmm view NIL and view coaching and view programs and view culture. Are they going short-term? I want to get as much money as I can right up front right now. Or are they going to say, all right, playing for Ryan Day. All right, I can make more in an NIL deal at A&M or at SC or at Texas or at Bama, but I've got Ryan Day here. He's going to develop me. And now I'm going to make more money on the back end when I have my sponsors at Ohio State, get that money, get that experience in Columbus, then I get drafted as a high draft pick, that player development thing. And now, all right, you're getting still good NIL money. Now you're going to get excellent coaching and then elite coaching. And then you're going to be developed into, like you said, another first round pick or another high draft pick. And you're going to make that money in the NFL. Then you're going to have a sustained career versus going to an AM or a Georgia, not having as good as a coach, but you make more money right up front in college. So your bank account goes from, you know, five grand to 5 million. And then you're a mid round pick. Right. You know, yeah, so it's it, just, yeah. And we're not discrediting Jimbo Fisher and right. Kirby Smart, how good coaches are. Is their assistant compared mm-hmm. to what Ryan day is probably forward with quarterback. Right. But I also think the end when the, in two years, when the NCAA comes out with more guidelines and regulations, they're going to try to avoid the Jordan Addison USC situation. Yes. Where they basically bought him to, to leave Pitt, the disrespect that Jordan Addison showed Pitt, his family mm-hmm. showing up wearing USC gear. Yeah. It, it blows my brain. That goes to my next question, Blake. Uh, I talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, great segue for, um, you know, a little bit about the Big 12. Uh, we're not going to address, we'll address that a little bit. But 
2022 football season, again, we're less than 100 days away. Two programs who bought their team this year, Texas A&M and USC. Are those two teams, they got the players, but can they reach the playoffs? That, that, can, they be, can they be in that level? You, I think USC obviously has an upper, higher ceiling climb than what Texas A&M does. But obviously I think Texas A&M has a harder path to the playoffs. Um, let's talk about the playoffs, man. I mean, they're ta- they've, US, the SEC is, is playing – quote unquote quite knows from Zach Smith playing chess right now, saying we could come up with our own playoff system. Um just to get the I think they're just budging and to get the NCAA to come with a new expansion. But it's twenty twenty two season. USC and Texas AM are going to be the two teams that everybody's going to be really watching to see how they do. Obviously, like the article you wrote, um one of the predictions was Ohio State and Alabama going coast to coast at one and two, which mm-hmm. I'm right there for you. I think they're the, they've got the two best quarterbacks. They got the two best teams coming back. Clear cut, they will be one and two. That you know, it's the three and four after that in the New Year's Six Bowl. Can A and M and USC be those three and four, or is it going to be somebody else? Or could it be like Big Boomer Twitter? Which after Blake comes up and talks about USC at Texas Day, we're we're gonna roast this dude bad <laughs> because he has some bad predictions and the dude should stay off Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at SC and AM and what they were able to do in this offseason, and obviously SC bringing Lincoln Riley, it's like hello, USC's back immediately right at the face. I think so I've done these playoff predictions just in my head, all right, who can meet Alabama and Ohio State? Who's gonna be that three and four? Honestly, I'm not sure who's going to be three and four yet, but what I do know is with SC and A&M, SC is not there yet. They've got great skill position players, obviously Caleb Williams. I don't think they're tough enough on the line of scrimmage to play with Notre Dame, who USC has to play in the regular season uh, last week. I don't think they can complete, they can compete physically with Georgia or with Ohio State or with Alabama with the line of scrimmage. And even Utah, look how physical football Utah plays. I think that's going to – those type of physical teams up front in the trenches, that's what's going to give USC trouble, and that's what's going to keep them out of the playoff this year. I think that with the talent that they're bringing in, and obviously Lincoln Riley's a great recruiter, they're going to get back to the playoff in the next five years. They'll be they'll be in that discussion. But this year, I don't think so. And then A&M, I see the recruiting class. My gut instinct is no, they do not reach there. And then I thought that. And then I looked at ESPN's um, football power index and I'm sitting here looking at the list. And I'm like, where's A&M? I scroll down and their projected win total is only seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was like, somebody knows something. And that's going to be one of those teams where they're so overhyped in the off season. And then they just underwhelm because those expectations are so high. So I do not think that A&M is going to be back or is going to be back close to the playoff this year. I think they'll, they'll stay ranked in the teens. They'll crack the top 10 a little bit like usual and then just stay middle in. But seeing that win total at seven and a half, it just, that's something that I see as alarming to me, especially when you have Alabama at 11-3, Ohio State at 11.8, that's the highest, uh, Georgia at 11-6, Clemson at 11-1, and then you have like Notre Dame and Texas are both nine wins, Michigan nine and a half, Oklahoma nine. And not that that's like the Bible of 
all things, but A&M is two games below a Texas and a Notre Dame. So I, I'm not going to take A&M to get to the playoff. Not just solely based on that, but their players and personnel and all. I just, I just don't see it. They're not going to be Bama again. No, not, not, ap- not going to Tuscaloosa and not after everything that has been said. No shot. You poked I mean, the, they poked the bear. It's not going to be good. They, they definitely did. And I, I think about this all the time. You could really toss a coin on who's going to be number one and number two. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, is Ohio State going to go back to Glendale or where they will go to Atlanta? Um, or is Alabama going to go to Glendale or are they going to go to Atlanta? Which yeah, my, guess is, my, guess, my guess is saying <clears throat> Ohio State's going to the Fiesta Bowl and mm-hmm. Atlanta, uh, Alabama's going to the Peach Bowl. That, it's going to happen no matter what. Yep. Um, I'd like to see it reversed. Me just too. Because I, 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 I mean, it's not like – I mean, nine hours is closer than 17 out, uh, 22 hours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, And the national championships in LA. SoFi. So that's two trips across the country and same thing. So yeah. I, I'd definitely rather see him go to Atlanta. So my question is, is the three and four. I mean, you're, and Notre Dame is that team. If you look at it, they have a prime example. They have mm-hmm. Ohio State week one and week 13 or 14, they have USC. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what they do in between that. I think they're going to get their clocks clean September 3rd. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but what does happens in between that? Um, they, I re- they play Clemson, right, in the regular season? Yeah. I'm not sold on Clemson. I'm not sold on Clemson either. I don't – yeah, I'm not sold on the ACC in general, but I'm not bought back on Clemson, especially because of how they performed last year. I know they sneakily won 10 games, but they lost Tony Elliott and Brett Venables. And those have been like Dabo's guys. They're, yep. That is Clemson's system, and they lost both of those guys. And it's hard to replace, especially in today's climate. I'm, and I, I'm not sold on Georgia. No. I, I think Tennessee and South Carolina will give them fits. I'm not, I'm not really sold on Florida. You're going you're gonna to sit there and tell me, and I, I know a lot of people, you could sit there and say, well, Spencer Rattler has not. I'd take Spencer Rattler over Stetson Bennett any day when yeah. it comes to skill set. Uh, Georgia also has to go to South Carolina. I think it's week two. I mean, I mean, uh, it, South Carolina has never been a bad place to play. I think, I think what uh, Coach Beamer's doing there is a, a great thing at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida's tough. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the SEC. I think Alabama runs the SEC. I really do. There, I don't. I don't think there's a. I the only team and hear me out. And a lot of people. And they're, nobody's talking about them. They've talked about their head coach, but nobody's really talking about their football team. That's Ole Miss. Alabama's got to go back to Ole Miss. And Lane Kiffin knows the formula to beat Nick Saban. Yeah. But it's That's... who will – that if Alabama loses, it's in my opinion, that it's the Ole Miss. But they still run the table and get to the national champion – gets to playoff because nobody's beating them in the East. And outside of Ole Miss, they're going to win the SEC West because Ole Miss will probably drop to Texas A&M. I mean, it's it's an Ole Miss will probably lose to some other random schmo team that that they're you know maybe on the East side. Like that's where I that's where I kind of draw the the little area where right there. So that three and four spot and 
yeah, you want to talk about expansion and everybody gets a chance, but outside Ohio State Clemson uh, 2019, Ohio State Alabama 2015, um, Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl in 2017, has there really been good semi pro semifinal games? Yeah, it's been few and far between, that's for sure. And especially this year, if you're looking at it, I, I see the landscape of college football, and I talked about this in my article. Wide open. It's, it is. It's Ohio State and Alabama. However you want to put them, Alabama, Ohio State, Ohio State, Alabama, whichever way. They have On arguably, paper, by the way. Yes, you have arguably the four best players in college football. You know, you have the two best quarterbacks. You know Will Anderson. You know, and you have JSN, who is an incredible athlete. It just depends how much value you give to the wide receiver position. Can't he be the fourth best at a, as a wide receiver? Anyway, it's wide open from three to whatever. Like, there's going to be a one and two, Ohio State and Bama. Then you're going to have a gap. And then you have three through whatever. You're going to see a lot of very similar teams. Michigan. La- yes, Notre like, Dame. Right, especially the way Michigan's schedule sets up, just like Georgia. Georgia, like South Carolina. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i sorry. I, I, I really like South Carolina. I really do. Yeah. And you have to throw the ACC team in there. Like, whoever it is could have one loss. Or they're like Pitt last year. <laughs> yeah, and the two teams – what's your take on this one? The two teams I'm seeing get a lot of love. And normally when you see the teams get overhyped, like I said earlier, they, they underperform. Texas, I'm seeing the 11-1 projections for Texas. Hmm. Is Texas actually back? They can do it with the guys they have. I don't know if they're going to be eleven and one this year if they're going five and seven under Sark. That's that's ambitious to me. I can see ten and two, but eleven and one seems Freshman too ambitious for a quarterback. Right, especially because they open the year at Bama. One, Bama's going to roll Texas. It's not going to be good in, on September tenth. They're they're going to walk into Austin and they're going to win by twenty. Saban's mad. It's Bama's on a mission. They're going back. It's going to be ugly in, in Austin. but So Texas and NC State, they're both getting a lot of love. Where do you see those two teams? I don't like Texas at all. I really don't. Um, I think that, honestly, I, it's hard because I don't know where you're going to get out of Oklahoma. I really me, don't. Me too. Yes. Like, they're my wild card. Well, what's Oklahoma? Brent Venables. Like, they're really, really – it's going to be really – I like Oklahoma State. I like their offense. The other lives Jim Knowles, but they bring back a lot on offense. West Virginia is a sneaky team. They got JT Daniels. They got a couple transfer portal guys. Kansas State has Adrian Martin. Adrian, I felt I turned the ball over Martinez. <laughs> I mean, he might get into a new offense and a resurgent. Like the Big Twelve is wide open. Like, yeah, Texas looks like the favorite, but TC, TCU gives them trouble. I mean, West Virginia. Kansas beat them last year. Not that that's happening again. But you can you can you can just see like there there's so much parity in the Big Twelve if you're looking at it on paper this year because Oklahoma and Texas are two biggest brands, and then the one after that is Oklahoma State, and then TCU just lost Gary Patterson, so you don't know what you're going to get out of those four teams. More so, you know what you're getting out of TCU just because mid level, but of both Oklahoma teams and Texas. You're not really sure. You can see those teams being anywhere from seven and five to ten and two, maybe even eleven and one, all depending. And you go to the ACC. I think Florida State is a wild card. I think they're going to be better than what people think. They're going eight games. We already talked about Clemson, NC State. I don't know much about. Like I know they're getting a lot of hype. 
Me and too. their coach mouthed off on draft day and said that they had the best quarterback in the country. Mm-hmm. That usually is failure. Right. So, but Miami, I really like uh, Miami. I know people look like look at me crazy, but the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Twin are the Big Twelve are head scratchers. Like they are. I mean, I like Oregon, Utah, and USC out west. That's it. Like in mm-hmm. the Pac-12, I mean, who's challenging them three? Yeah, and that's and that's what makes this year more interesting too. With those three conferences being the head scratchers, now you have the opportunity for Notre Dame. Like if they lose Ohio State Week One, everyone's going to forget table. it and run the t- exactly, especially because they finish with USC. So they can make that statement. I know they don't have that 13th game with the conference championship, but they yeah, can end that yeah. regular season with a statement yeah. win in the Coliseum. And they play Clemson. Yes. That's they gonna... knock off Clemson. They run the table, beat Clemson, beat mm-hmm. USC. They're getting a rematch against – they'll probably play Alabama. Yeah. Most likely good. they're not going to play Ohio State again. Right. And, like, and I think I think it's going to be either Texas or USC. I or whoever comes out of Pac-12. That's as of right now. I mean, I don't trust Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But could the opportunity see? is there. The, yeah, the opportunity is there. Even, even for question, a team. Yeah, like my question is, you have, say if there's a two-loss Pac-12 team, two-loss Big 12 team, you're sitting at Notre Dame's got one loss. They're in. They're the three mm-hmm. seed. They're yep. going to play. Uh, this just hypothetically, Ohio State's number one. Because uh, I think their strength of schedule might be a little bit better than yeah. Because we've got Wisconsin and Iowa on there in addition to Penn State, Penn State Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan. and Michigan. So yeah. there, there's some. I know Ohio State's eight home games, but there's some bruisers on that schedule. Yeah, for sure. Um, of course, Alabama's got Texas, and then they got the SEC. Yeah. Um, but that's just hypothetical because I don't think I think Notre Dame will get ranked fourth somehow. Yeah, four or five. Four or five. But what if you have one lo- uh, one loss? Uh, SEC East team, or Georgia. The, Let's the, call it Georgia. Georgia, or and then you have a one-loss Ole Miss or Texas A&M. I'm just throwing one of those two. Mm-hmm. You have a one-loss Notre Dame, one-loss Michigan. Obviously, mm-hmm. Big Twelve has a two-loss team. Pac-12 has two-loss team. ACC has two-loss team. Those four. I'd almost say that because you're going to look A&M, Ole Miss. One of them beat Alabama, obviously, like I said, because that's where I think Ohio State goes undefeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I say Alabama gets the two seed because they get yes. lost one. Right. Let's say, okay, A&M has the one loss, and that was the Ole Miss. Ole Miss. No. So that means A&M has to beat Bama. No, no. A&M lost to Bama. Ole Miss lost beat to Bama. A&M. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see your triangle. Beat, yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, Michigan lost to Ohio State. Notre Dame lost to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Those four teams. Let's throw Georgia out because I'm just, you know, because I think they'll have two losses. Oh, mm-hmm. and then you got Georgia. Okay, Georgia. One loss in the SEC title game. Who gets the three and four spot if out of those five teams? A&M, Ole Miss, Michigan, or Penn State and Michigan? One of the two. I'd say Michigan over yeah. Penn State. Yeah. Notre Dame. <clears throat> you're talking, you're you're talking pro- Ohio yeah. State's undefeated. They go to that. They they go win the Big Ten, run the table. You're talking mm-hmm. about two teams that lost beginning of the year and at the very la- last game of the season to the number one team in the country. Yeah, I, I can see a world where Notre Dame gets in and also Michigan, although the outcry from everyone would be like, that's insane. I can see a world where that happens just because. And honestly. And I would be here for it. 
Think about the money. Oh, yeah. Ratings galore. You're talking four of the top five programs. And you're going to get a country. rematch of Ohio State and Notre Dame or a rematch of Ohio State Michigan. Or what, what I would do is you do, you have Ohio State one, Notre Dame at four, and then you get Alabama versus Michigan. Like, that'd be nuts. I think, though, this is what would happen. They would throw an SEC team in. Another one with Alabama. Yeah. I, I think it would come down to Michigan or Georgia in that sense, yes. But, or, I mean, I can see a world where that works. Yeah. Or A&M or Ole Miss, yeah. Whoever beat Bama would get in that knot. So, in your triangle, it would be Ole Miss. But I, don't, I know Michigan's set, schedule sets up that way. I think they got two losses. I really do. I, it's, it's They've been running their chops. They won, They got their victory over Ohio State last year. They got trounced. Look, they were a total dead team against Georgia in the, in the bowl game. I know they returned guys on offense, but who's going to start a quarterback? McNamara or McCarthy? There could be a quarterback yeah. controversy. I'm not, saying McCarthy, UConn, but... I'm not saying UConn, Colorado State, and Hawaii are going to beat them. <laughs> but know, they're going to be early, some sweating games, I'll tell you. You get an early Big Ten game against Michigan State or Penn State, and you have a quarterback controversy. Both guys are playing well. You're alternating them. That's where they. I think they slip up. In, even a Big Ten Westie, like – yeah, like Wisconsin, no. if they get yeah. Nebraska, actually. Nebraska. That would be Michigan's trap game from the West, I would think. Yeah, because it would be in Ann Arbor if, it, if they play them. So uh, that leads us to our next day. Uh, let's roast. Uh, talk about playoffs. Let's roast this big game boomer. Um, so we're just going to do the New Year's Six Bowl, Blake. We're not going to just break it out. Cotton yeah, Bowl. Cool. Okay, Cotton Bowl, he has Arkansas, Houston. I like it. That's a team we keep forgetting about. That is true with Arkansas. Yeah, I forgot about that. Sam Pittman's doing wonderful things. But I think him. I think that'll be Ole Miss. I, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I like Ole Miss. Uh, Sugar Bowl, Baylor, Georgia. We keep forgetting about Baylor and Georgia. But I see, honestly, Texas and Georgia. I I, I agree with Texas and Georgia, yes. I'm, I'm not a big Baylor guy, but I respect Dave Aranda and what he's been able to do there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just not a Baylor guy. It's just not me. So I, I don't know if that's that's coming from a biased spot, but I do. I would lean Texas. Okay. Right now he has Michigan in the Citrus Bowl against no, Tennessee. They're going to Pasadena. But they're going to Pasadena. It's either going to be – I think it's going to be – I think this is going to be SC. Yes, me too. Um, Too big – they're going to choose – USC and Michigan, two big brands mm. in the Rose yep. Bowl. This one was like I had to <laughs> laugh. Uh, the Orange Bowl. I know it's like the for, this one is going to be like the forgotten one. I don't. I think this is not going to be Michigan State or Wake Forest. Yeah, I'm going the AC. It's going to be the ACC champion. Yeah, I'll say. I don't know who's going to be. I'm going to go Wisconsin and then Clemson or Miami. The winner of that game. Would be my. I'm gonna. I will go. Okay, I'll go with the U. I'll go with Miami. It's a home game. Orange Bowl. Mario Cristobal. Yeah, but I'm not going Wisconsin. I think Penn State. I think Penn State. You know what? Losses. Bigger brand in Wisconsin. I think Penn State in the Orange Bowl against Miami. It just looks prettier. Yeah, that assumes Penn State beats Auburn. Okay. And I would. And I'm. I'm with you. I can see that. Yeah. And then this Yahoo has Alabama <laughs> and NC State in the Peach Bowl. Can you imagine a world where NC State was playing in the Peach Bowl against Alabama? 
Let me close my eyes and imagine this. I just saw Nick Saban win by 50. I, yeah, <laughs> no. I, I really do. And then in the uh, Fiesta Bowl, he has Utah and Ohio State. I, I do respect Utah. And I, I, I can see Utah, Utah being there. I don't think so. I don't. We are. I, I, but, again, Ohio State. But he also had the Holiday Bowl, Clemson SC. I do see Clemson in the Holiday Bowl. But it's mm-hmm. against Oregon. I, I would say Oregon. Yeah. The Citrus Bowl would be Wisconsin-Tennessee. I would really love that matchup. That would be a even, good matchup. Even though they have Wisconsin, Texas A&M, and the Tampa Bay Bowl. But I think the Tampa Bay Bowl is going to be A&M versus Michigan State. Yep. And then Music City, I, like I said, I was high on South Carolina, but that's what Music City sounds perfect for them. With Minnesota. With, yeah, Minnesota. And I'm just looking at the Big Ten. Um, uh, looks like you got pinstripe there, Purdue and Virginia. And that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Maryland and the guaranteed rate bowl. I, the Fenway bowl, BYU and Nebraska. I give me the guaranteed rate bowl as Nebraska and Iowa state or Iowa. Ooh, what about the Cyhawk trophy rematch? That'd be fun. That would be fun. But yeah, NC state, Utah. I don't, as much as I respect Kyle winning it, I don't think Utah or NC state in the playoff. This dude makes some real bold predictions and, um, also, who makes real bold positions is Cleveland.com or 247 Sports thinks if Urban Meyer comes back and coaches the Bowling Green. We already know it's an inside it's, – it's no longer this inside story that he's going to resign with Fox. They just need to make it official. Yeah, that article was published by Marty McFly. He got off the DeLorean and said, hey, just a little bit, 20-something years too late. But why would he go back to the MAC? He's not everybody. He's no. if he comes back to coach, he's he's put he's going to a program that is maybe a year or two away from competing for the playoffs. That has the athletes still. They just the, the coach isn't the right fit to get them over that hump. Yeah, and the only two options that would even be, and these are even far fetched, would be Notre Dame number one, who just hired Marcus Freeman. That's going to be fine. And USC, who just hired Lincoln Riley. That's going and to be fun. Texas, so. who just hired Steve Sarkeesian, which he's already turned down both of them jobs. Exactly. Urban's, Urban's done. He's going to be at Fox, and he's going to be returned to his glory there. Right um, off into the sunset with yeah, Fox. Yeah, Bob, Bob Stoops is a little rough on TV. Oh, God. It's it not good. Really miss Coach Meyer on there. Yeah. So, hypoth- okay, this goes to my next segue. I, I tweeted out at um, – I tweeted out, and this is totally off subject of what we were going to talk about. So let's talk about big noon kickoff college game day. <clears throat> Obviously, we know college game day got got the game the week one. Yes. Great for recruiting. I love it. I'm not usually an ESPN awesome. guy, but this one is it. I've already got a cut back here with $4 in it of change that is called my Notre Dame Fun Cup. <laughs> so, uh, but, I've got one in my drawer, too. Because <laughs> uh, we know tickets could be outrageous. Oh, yeah. I tweet I as much as I like Herb Street, I don't I'm not a big fan of Chris Fowler. But I love Gus Johnson, Jenny Taff, and and Joel Clapp. Me I too. think they call a game better. What if they could still call it Big Noon Kickoff, but they went because they want to go like compete with college game day. What if they even though they could do their site 
at okay, we'll just say Ohio State. Uh, we'll just say Ohio State, um, Notre Dame. It's a seven thirty <laughs> kickoff. They could. What if they decided they still wanted to do Big Noon kickoff as their show, but not necessarily their marquee matchup being at noon, but being at any time, like you know, like ESPN does, like. There's times where Fowler and Herbstreit will call a noon game. Fowler or Herbstreit will call 3.30. But typically, it's the 7.30 kickoff game. Yeah. Could they do that? Yeah, I mean, and I'm on still, like, that. get away with the big noon kickoff show. Yeah, and, and I think they would do that. But the problem here is they own, like, they're the primary rights to the Big Ten. And if Ohio State's on TV, doesn't matter where, doesn't matter where you are, who you're with, or what's going on, people are going to watch. And – the state of Ohio is going to watch and they bring great ratings. So they know whatever time they can slot that Ohio state game or that Michigan game or that Penn state game, people are going to watch or, and even like they have like the big 12 for now too. So you have, I know ABC has uh, red river, but if you have Oklahoma and Texas. People are watching that too. I mean, they have the pac 12 people are going to watch SC this year. I mean, I know you can't, it's really hard to have a 9am kickoff on the they've West coast there with, with SC, but they've done it. It's not really great, but. I mean, I would definitely be in favor of that moving that to a Nike. I mean, I'm well. Last year, I worked the I worked with Fox. It was their number two crew. Yeah, is Ohio State Maryland. That was the noon game. Right. But big noon kickoff was in Iowa City for Penn State mm-hmm. Iowa. That game was a four o'clock game. Yeah, and a three thirty or four o'clock game that even changes things too because it gets to become a night game because I, in the fall I, it gets darker yeah, earlier. I stay, just don't make it noon. Ohio State Michigan is tradition at noon. That's yeah. the only exception to that noon game rule for me. A big game should be three thirty or under the lights. Yeah, uh, in most instances, I, I actually like. I actually do like this when Penn State comes to Columbus. I love the noon game when Penn State comes to Columbus for the noon game. Mm-hmm. But when I go, <laughs> this is the next the segue. <laughs> but before we get to that, can Fox succeed with that? I think they can. I think they can too. I, yeah. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have a post-game show. You don't have to have the halftime show. But you can still have the halftime show go right. Say, okay, say, let's, let's look at the schedule real quick for week one. Um. Uh, College football. We've got Georgia and Oregon. I know is the other big game. That's a Chick Fil A kickoff game. Yeah, that's on ESPN. I'm I'm just gonna look. Yeah, I'm gonna look at what could be on Fox that week that weekend. Um, besides the okay, let's say uh okay Oklahoma, UTEP's at three thirty. That's on Fox. Uh, Iowa's playing South Dakota State. That's on FS1. Um, they don't have a big noon kickoff game that at noon on that day because their big noon kickoff crew is going to be in Purdue for the Penn State. Okay, okay, let's throw Purdue Penn State week one if it's on Saturday at noon. Sure. You could go, okay, big noon kickoff could still be in Columbus. Go right to that game. Mm-hmm. With let's Tim Brando and uh, whoever his partner, um, I forget who Chris Davis, I think it is Charles Davis. Yeah, okay, 3 30. Because I think Gus Johnson and Joel Clout will do the Oklahoma game at 3 30. I, I would almost I'd assume, I would assume that okay, 3 30 game, Oklahoma and Louisiana on Fox would be 
their second team, and that's Steve Gushman and um, Brock Heward. Then you go to the nightcap. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Fox, and Columbus, 8 o'clock game. Boom. Yep. Big noon kickoff could do that because if you look what ESPN does, obviously Chris Fowler, Herbshire, they're number one guys. And uh, Joe Tessitore is the number two guys, but they do the second primetime game. That's what I like about ESPN with their second. They have two primetime games. One starts at what? 6.30, 7 o'clock. The other one starts at 7.30, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I like that. Joe Tessitore and whoever his partner is the year of the year. Right. But I always, I mean, of course I like Sean McDonough. He's the, he's the great three thirty guy. Sean yeah, McDonough calls the best three thirty games better mm-hmm. than anybody. Right. But like, it could work. I think they'd have so much success. On the other hand, Big New Kickoff's going to be in State College this year. <laughs> Penn yeah. State fans are not happy. <laughs> right. They are not happy because the Buckeyes do not have to face the whiteout this year. Finally. I took Finally. a lap around my house when I heard that one. Um, they Man. get the blue and white game, which is another great environment. Well, the stripe fun, but it's not the yeah. whiteout. I'd love to see a Buckeyes do a stripe out. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Um, but they play against the stripe out. Uh, noon, noon, noon kickoff. Big noon, it sounds like big noon kickoff. Or 3.30. I've been reading, too, because the World Series. Go right in segue from that game to the World Series. Yeah. It's happened before 2017. 2017, yeah. We had to be yeah. a 3.30 game. Which I was there on, working for Fox on the sidelines. Gray uniforms. Yep. Um. But I'm going to, again, quoting Zach Smith, it's a win-win situation if you think about it. If you yep. really think about it, they're going to use their uh, whiteout game against Minnesota. You can bring your big-time recruits to the whiteout, show them the atmosphere of the whiteout. Yeah, yeah they're, playing, they're playing in the, um, in the whiteout, but they're playing Minnesota. You have a better shot of beating Minnesota than you do the Buckeyes. So right. you can land – Penn State can land some big-time recruits. Win-win for the Buckeyes. You don't have to face that white pom-poms floating in the air, nothing but a sea of white atmosphere. I mean, great. It's going to be still great atmosphere for Penn State. It's one of the best in the country. Oh, yeah. Everybody would be hyping live for yeah. that game, but it's not the same energy as the whiteout. No, not. not That's its own bear. <laughs> it definitely is its own bear, and it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right, Blake. Um Boy, Dylan Riola hung out with C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba over the weekend at this football camp in California because off-season workouts for Ohio State start next week. Mm-hmm. Um, that means when Mickey, you're in Mickey, you are Mickey Marotti's kids starting oh, Monday. Yeah. Be ready. Um, I don't think they could physically run, open up a playbook or anything, but you know they probably do. Anyways, I think that can't happen until what mid-July. Yeah, I think that's Something right. Like that. So, Dylan Raiola <laughs> slings a 72-yard pass in the camp. Gorgeous. Looks ma- amazing out there. He's going to look great in it, a scarlet gray. How do you feel about him just, like, there was other college quarterbacks there, but he was with Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, C.J. Stroud, like, out there coaching him up and stuff. Like, how do you feel, like, him hanging out with those two? 
I think it goes back to what I talked about earlier with the brotherhood. That's Ohio State's brand of football is it's the brotherhood. It's been the thing since Woody Hayes. It's so important to the Ohio State locker room and culture. And, you know, Ryan Day really invests in those players where you show you're recruiting from a standpoint of love. You know what I mean? And then you see when you have the veteran in the room now in Stroud, even though I know it's only going to be second year as a starter, and you have JSN here, they're mentoring now Rayola and trying to mold him and build him and teach him the playbook and teach him just the way of what it's like to be a Buckeye. And now he's getting that head start because, you know, he's committed already. And he's getting that experience with them on the field. He's getting to talk to them. He's getting to know them. So he's not going to come in as this fresh face newbie. He's going to come in and know what it takes to be a Buckeye and understand the standard of what putting on that scarlet and gray jersey means for you. And wearing the gray stripes on the sleeve, hopefully by the time he gets here. <laughs> not just two games a year in the playoffs. Yeah, so the shameless plug for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I think it's it's great. And shows. I, lo- I love it, too, because, yeah, social media was big a few years ago, but Dwayne ha- C.J. Stroud did the same thing with Dwayne Haskins. Yep. People were like, oh, C.J. Stroud didn't re- – like, why is he put so much honor in Dwayne Haskins at the spring game and – why is he looked up to Dwayne Haskins so much at the spring game when he didn't even play with him? Mm-hmm. It's because of stuff like that. Like right. what CJ Stroud is now doing with Dylan Riola. Haskins did the same thing with Stroud. Just like when him and Justin Fields showed up at that camp and Stroud was out there slinging it. I mean, that's Justin Fields would not come. If it wasn't for, it was, if it wasn't for Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields probably wasn't wearing Scarlet and gray. Like, Mm-hmm. Justin Dwayne Haskins was a that's again with the talk with the brother you hear Joe Burrow talk about how much he loved Dwayne Haskins like you could talk go down to the competition you know that's where we talk about the brotherhood it just trickles down and that's what Stroud and Jackson Smith or Jigba who are the two straw two stars who are going to probably be in New York with each other um unless this the guy that we're about to end the show with <laughs> we talk about him, uh, but that's what's happening. And it, it's going to be amazing. I, I can't wait. But we're going to end on another high note. Two weeks in a row, Marvin Harrison Jr. has put one epic workout video on his Twitter, and I can't wait for him to put another one. This dude outran a football sh- a uh, football gut, like a football launcher or whatever. Like the judge machine and just... Outran it! Caught a ball in stride. <sighs> like folks... Just running around the field, just... Wow. Yeah, folks, listen. Garrett Wilson and, C- and uh, Chris Olave are elite Buckeye receivers. And they are going to be monumental losses to the program and to the offense. But have no fear, Marvin Harrison Jr. is here. And so is JSN. Zone 6, Ryan Hartline has those that wide receiver room. It is the best room in college football at that position. Not even close. Those guys are ready, and that offense is coming for every defense this year. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a star. And you saw him come out in the Rose Bowl a little bit. Just wait. They're going to put on a show this year. His over-under is 1,200 yards this year. Um, a lot of people are taking the under. I, I, I Right now, I would. Yeah. Because um, of Jay, I said. But mm-hmm. if I was a betting man and I wanted to win some money, and it, what depending on what the odds are, 
might drop 10 bucks on him getting over 1200 yards. Yeah, you see, and you look how the schedule plays out. I mean, you have Notre Dame, you have Wisconsin, you have Iowa, you have Michigan State, you have Penn State, and you have Michigan. Those are six big games. And I'm not saying like Ohio State can lose any of those games, but it's not that's not the point there. It's the the starting offense is going to play longer than if that was and, Maryland or Purdue or Illinois. And this or, offensive line is actually going to play in their uh, right positions. Yes, that's the other thing. So Stroud's going to have protection this year from a real offensive line, not the five best offensive line, which on paper, cool idea. Execution-wise, eh. We saw but, what happened against Michigan. Yeah, you live and you learn. Can't do it. Too high of a level college football high school, you can get away with it. Not in college. But anyway, the offense is going to be absolutely elite. It's going to continue to be the number one offense in the country. It's going to put up amazing numbers. And JSN and Marvin Harrison Jr. are going to be a huge part in that. I like the 1,200. I can see it. I I do think he goes over a thousand. I'm not sure if he does hit the 1200 mark, but I think he can get he can get to a thousand. We're not even factoring into the stud, the three stud running backs we have too. That's the other I thing. Mean, I know. There's so many weapons on this offense. It's it's really going to be tough. Everyone's going to spread the wealth for sure, and it's going to be a pick your poison. There's going to be like last year. You know, you had a Chris Olave game, you had a Garrett Wilson game, you had a JSN game. It's going to be that same thing this year. It's wherever the defense decides they don't want to cover. That's who's going to. That's who's going to get. That's theirs. the thing, and that third wide receiver is so important. Who is going to be? They have to be very, very good this year because mm-hmm. if you start seeing double teams for on in Jigba, they're going to have to. There ain't going. Nobody's getting double teamed. I'm sorry. It, it's it's just, too tough. The, yeah, it's going to be too tough, and I can't wait for September third in the lights. We're going to end on this. Like, I'm getting chills thinking about. Because we don't have Buckeye Leafs on the helmets yet. How nice are those Golden Domers and those Silver Bullet helmets going to look under the lights in the shoe? You're going to hang it in the loop, I'll tell you that. That first time, it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. And it's just going to be a homage to the sport of college football. And these Buckeye fans that think that game's going to be a blackout, no, it's not. No. They're not using week one as a blackout. I'm sorry. No. They're going traditional helmets, traditional yes. pants, traditional jerseys. Mm-hmm. I would like to bring, have them bring back the gray sleeves. Gray sleeves. Yeah, My, that uh, game should be tradition yeah. because the brands speak for themselves. The history speaks for now, themselves. Week four, Wisconsin set up perfectly too because they have Washington State. Uh, yes. They have a Ball State and some other crappy team. Yeah. I think college game day will be there again. And I think it's going to be a 7.30 game. Yes. That's your blackout or your scarlet. Or this, I go scarlet out again. I think that was fun. Those you do scarlet out against Wisconsin, though. How sweet would this look? You have Ohio State and they're all scarlet, and you have Wisconsin wearing they're all white. It would look pretty cool. I just, in the back of my mind, see that Iowa's a home I, game. And honestly, not I think forgetting the blackout's from, done. Yeah, I, I, I go scarlet. I think it's ran its course. Yeah, me too. You did it for four or five times. Or maybe three, but. Three, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I go Scarlet out. Yeah. Week one's going to be traditional. Oh, I can't wait. Those Golden Domers and the Silver Bullets going to look nice under the lights. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope Dan's having a great vacation. I'm sure he is out there living it down there in Clemson World, out there in Hilton Head. Uh, I, I know he's walking around proud, uh, you know, showing off because. You know what? What can Clemson talk crap about now? To they us, should drop pizza off on campus for him. Papa John's. Yep. <laughs> Slice. Blake, it's always a pleasure when you come on. Uh, we always have some great conversations. This one was a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more uh, 
fun to talk about. We had a lot to talk about. Again, thank you, NIL. If it wasn't for yes. NIL, uh, we've had to put the 2003 season on hold because every week we come in like, boo, we got more NIL stuff to talk about. So thank yeah. you, Lord, for that. Wow, we're just under 100, 100 days away. Hold on, I'm going to ask Siri. How many more days till September 3rd? 93. There we go. We are Will Smith days away. <laughs> That's classic. Castle's good to be here. Yeah, obviously, Blake, it's been a pleasure. How'd your baseball season go? It went well. We had we had made the playoffs as a three seed, and our number one and number two pitcher both got hurt in the mm. last week of the season. Uh, our, our ace, he played for three teams, and he had a little uh, trouble with his UCL there. So he didn't tear anything but doctor's orders. Um, and then our number two, he had a kind of a foot problem. So our starter, our number three, you know, went to his pitch count in the in the playoff game in the semifinal there that we got to. And then, unfortunately, after that, it would just kind of fills out there. But the, the guys played well, and our culture was strong. Um, very proud of their growth. And it, there's, it was a younger team this year, so there's a very good core coming back next year. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, this is where they stepped up. Um, there's some high, there's some high school baseball going on still. Uh, in our area, there's one team. Uh, I think one team left. If you, I'm sure you've heard his name is Jacob Miller. Yes, for Liberty Union had mm-hmm. uh, had 13 strikeouts again. He had a no hitter in the tournament a couple, awesome. couple a week or so ago. They won again two to one. They played tomorrow night to make it state. Obviously, I think his pitch count reached up. So it's gonna be interesting tomorrow when they play. Uh, to see how far he goes, Jacob Miller is a stud. He he clocked a 99 mile an hour fastball, and you're talking D3 high school baseball in the state of Ohio. Um, but get but yeah, we he, some high school baseball going on, and enjoy it. Enjoy the rest of your summer. I'm sure we'll get you back on. Get you some hardcore predictions. Oh yeah, I can't um, wait July for July and so. August. Uh, Blake, it's always been a pleasure. And this has been another great episode of the Bunch of Nuts podcast. And we will talk to you guys later when Dan comes back next week. Uh, Have a good night, everybody.